Oh, someone? Hello? Hi. Hi. Um, so, my name's Alex Stein. I live at 69 Waverly. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your last name? Stein, S-T-E-I-N. Okay. Thank you. And the reason why I'm uh, calling in, I just saw another district now is providing litter boxes for a student that identifies as a cat. And my daughter, Lily, identifies as a lizard. And everybody's getting so mad because I want to put a terrarium in the classroom. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I understand we're not going to put the temperature at 85 degrees. Like the other students would not like that. But a small accommodation like a terrarium for my daughter would be very simple, very, a very simple thing to do. When you look at other districts that are I mean, going out, think about what we do for the special Excuse level. me, Mr. Stein. Excuse me. Yes. Um, if you have an individual request for your child, that's something that you could um, call the, the, the school or the also superintendent with. It's a district request because I shouldn't have to, the whole district should accommodate her because it's teachers, it's a lot of people won't even uh, respect her, um, what she identifies okay. as. That's, that's a, it's a whole district issue. Mr. Stein, okay. well, I'll, I will have Dr. Dr. Villanueva will, will get, will reach out to you. Thank you, Mr. Stein. And Dr. Villanueva will reach out to you. Welcome to the Father's State. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me, folks. The Father's State podcast is our subscribe star. So click the link in the video description to support our show. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you. I have with me, and it's an honor to have, primetime number 99, Alex Stein. And Alex is the host of the Conspiracy Castle and also a Blaze TV contributor. Alice, thanks for coming on, man. Jesse, wow, <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm telling you, I've been watching your content for years, and, and I said this a little bit before we started the interview, but you know, you have a lot of cojones being a black man, not afraid to speak out against a lot of the, uh, I call black social engineering, like Joe Biden says, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Right. And see, and, and you know, so that's a, what I call, you know, a psychological operation to make black people feel like they have to feel uh, obligated to be, you know, part of the identity politics lie. And that's why, you know, I don't even know how conservative you consider yourself, but I'm saying in this day and age, being a black conservative or even semi-conservative is the new punk rock. You're like the, uh, you know, you, you know, they don't like you, you go against the grain and, and they really, you, you, the, this is what I have to say. Now it's all about intersectionality and, and Joe Biden wants to, you know, hire Supreme Court justices based on their color. Yeah. So people like you, you shake up the system. You mess up all their bullcrap intersectionality because then they can't say, oh, my gosh, he's a black white supremacist like Larry Elder in California. They literally called him a black white supremacist. I know, a, Dave, I saw that. A, a Dave Chappelle sketch come to life, Jesse. It's insane. <laughs> Amazing. I only wish that I could get more white people to speak up as well especially white men why do you think and and this attack is clearly upon christian straight christian white men why do you think white men are not speaking up about well, racism just, and all that stuff that they accuse well, them of 
Well, Jesse, let me tell you this, because you and I, we agree on a lot of stuff, but this is one thing. So I'm in the bail bond business. My dad is a bail bonds and I grew up in a bail bond office, you know, and that, I was always raised by basically the ex-convicts that my dad would get out of jail because the babies, <laughs> the why the, the women babysitters couldn't handle me. So what I'm saying, so, you know, sadly, I, I dealt with a lot of, you know, black men and not, not sadly, I'm just saying, I, you know, I guess I, I, I'm a culture vulture. I love the black culture. I'm one of these white guys that, you know, grew up like all the white kids, you know, you go to any rap concert, it's mainly like white kids there. But what I'm trying to say is Jesse in jail, there is a lot of nonviolent black offenders in prison. I think that, I think that, would you agree with that, Jesse? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there are because, you know, people make mistakes. Well, what I'm trying to say is I do believe in systemic racism. I think that at one point it was towards black people and now it's towards white people. I think there has always been a system of oppression. And now they're instead of doing it in black, towards black people like they did in the you know 60s and maybe 80s and 90s. Now it's just structured and engineered to go against the white people. So I do believe in systemic racism personally, Jesse. How would you define systemic racism? What does it look like? Well, this is how I would define it, being opportunistic, taking advantage of people that don't have a chance to, you know, fight the system. Because you look at the people on January 6th, this is why. It was weaponized against mainly white people. All these same people that went into this building, they're, they're you know, charged with these federal crimes. They're getting basically the maximum penalty they can get. Yet these same people in Portland, Oregon, they burned down the federal courthouse for 63 days. And Ted Wheeler got it where they didn't arrest anybody. Yeah. And, uh, and, and one person got arrested, put under house arrest for 60 days for throwing a Molotov cocktail because their political party, because they were left-leaning. So what I'm saying is they pick and choose, and that's what I think has been happening in the history. I think they can pick and choose who they really want to go after. Now, it's not. I'm not saying that a black man cannot overcome you know, the system. I'm just saying in this day and age, if they want to weaponize you, it doesn't matter what race, color, creed, none of that matters. If they want to take you out, they can find a reason to take you out, in my opinion, Jesse. So is it based on the skin color or based on something else? Not necessarily skin color. I think it's opportunistic. If it's like, like what I said is they got their goose cooked to January 6th. All these people were taking selfies in there. So they got them dead to rights. They can try to offer them plea deals, but they know, oh, we're going to make an example out of these people. So that's what they've done in the past. They've probably, when they, when they go after lower income people, they know that they're going to get a public defender. And listen, for me and these local governments, these district attorneys, these public defenders, they all work together. They know that they're cutting deals, putting people in jail that, they're not actually going to help fight these crimes. Some people, you know, you look at the, the child support, a lot of black people are, you know, behind on child support. They'll throw them in jail, you know, really fast. Just saying, I think the system is not fair, in my opinion, Jesse. When you say they, who are you referring to? I'm talking about the people in power, and that could be black people, too, because you look at Kamala Harris. She put in the three-strike rule in yeah, California. Yeah. That three-strike rule uh, uh, oppressed black people more than anything. She wants to act like she's some black woman. She's on uh, 106 in Park or the Breakfast Club, one of those black shows, talking <laughs> yeah. about how she smokes weed. Yeah, yeah there's people that are— I'm saying, and there's people that are serving licenses because they're third strike. They had two felonies, then they got a misdemeanor recharge. Boom, life sentence because of their, you know, the way, the way their system was because of the three strikes. So I think that is unfair in my opinion. And and, and this is this is also me. I don't like the death penalty for this reason. And and you know, there's horrible crimes, but because if you ever kill one person incorrectly, if one person was ever killed you know, wrongly, I think that screws up the whole system. So that's why I don't think, I think it's the problem with the system. It's not with the problem with the people of the color, but the people that get in charge, just like these politicians, they don't want to lose their job, whether it's the mayor, whether it's a senator, whether it's a congressman. Once they get there, they will do anything to keep their job. And, and that will be what I, my, what I talk about all the time is 
We are being run, Jesse, by multinational corporations. We're not being run by human beings. These politicians, are their political action committees are getting paid for by corporations. So that's why they bend the knee. Now, if you and I wanted to make legislation that helped you and I out, they won't. In, in two seconds, they can get $40 billion to Ukraine, but they're never going to get $40 billion to poor people. They're never going to wipe out student debt. And I'm not saying they should wipe out student debt. Right. I'm just saying the people on the left that were crying for it should be the ones screaming most. They should say, what the hell? You, Joe Biden, you said you're going to take <laughs> off my debt. Now you're giving $40 billion to a bunch of Ukrainians? We yeah. can't even pick that place out on a map. But the people can't see the hypocrisy of it, Jesse. Well, the reason I know that racism doesn't exist is because when I was growing up and I grew up under the, during the Jim Crow laws and all that mess, and black people were not going to jail, they were not committing crimes, they didn't think that white people hated them because of their color, and they were responsible, they bought land. And it wasn't until the so-called civil rights movement happened and they, Jesse Jackson and all those guys, start pumping out the idea of racism so that they can control the blacks and so that the blacks can vote for them. And then they sold them over to the Democrats because prior to that, black people were Republican. And it wasn't about skin color. It was about right versus wrong, good versus evil. And so you were able to solve a problem if you knew what was wrong. But you can never solve this idea of racism because it's a made up word. And how can you prove that somebody is a so-called racist or not, you know? No, and I agree with you on that. And like you look yeah. at the Ku Klux Klan was created by Democrats. And, and right. one of the main reasons, but one of the main reasons that was is because black businesses were actually popular in the 60s. People wanted yeah. to eat at black restaurants. People wanted to go to black shops. And the white people didn't want to compete, you know, whether you say it's racist or not, but the Democrats didn't want to compete with them financially. So it was right. another reason for them and excuse to go burn down their place, you know, put them out of business. So, yeah, you're right. Like the everyday, like if you look on the media, you know, they'll tell you that racism is the world's biggest problem. They say white supremacy, literally Don Lamont, Don Lemon will say white supremacy is our biggest problem married to a white guy Lori lightfoot <laughs> Lori dumbhead whatever you want to call her uh, Lori bug eye she she says she won't even do an a interview with a white reporter right. married to a white woman yeah. so all these people that yell uh, uh racism jesse smollett says racism is the biggest problem he paid two nigerians said to, to pour gasoline on him and put a noose on his neck <laughs> so that i mean i'm just saying that's where we're at you got to make up half the racism we see is made up so i agree with you yeah. the racism problem is not as bad as they say i, I want to i just want to make that clear Right. But I think I think what I'm talking about when I say the system of oppression, it's just they take a, they go after vulnerable people, Jesse. It doesn't absolutely. really matter their color. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it, this is this is why, because this is after 9-11, they said the weapons of mass destruction. Then they spent billions of the trillions of dollars, excuse me, in the military industrial complex. Obama, Barack Obama sent a drone strike every 20 minutes for eight years and killed over one million Muslim people. So I believe that was racist towards Muslim people or whatever you want to call it, a system of oppression against Muslim people. So it's not necessarily based on your color they're opportun they're opportunistic they'll go after the people that are most vulnerable Jesse. i agree with that um i first saw you on tucker carson and it was funny man it was like <laughs> it was mind-blowing and uh you're very talented first of all I, I i like your courage i like your talent and i like how you make it work for you how did you come up with that idea to do what you're doing when you go okay. before city councils and people like that 
Okay, well, I tell this story quite a bit, but so let me just give you a little backstory. So I, uh, I'll give you like the full story. So I graduated college in 2010 from LSU. Then I moved to Los Angeles. And I didn't have a job, and I got a job like they say. I was 23. I got a job at Central Casting. You know how they say straight out of Central Casting because <laughs> I was 23 to look younger. So I started at Central Casting as an extra. Then you know I worked up to a production assistant, got on some shows, and then I got on this big show after two years in LA. It was on ABC called The Glass House, where it's like a Big Brother. You compete against each other and you vote people out of the house. I'm just being myself i'm just primetime 99 alex Styles. and the producers of that show kind of manipulated me they wanted me to play the villain and instead of being myself i was a villain i was one of the first people kicked off the show so long story <laughs> short i got kicked off the show i was so bummed out then i got offered a job in dallas texas working for the tv show cheaters cheaters is a show where we go and we catch people cheating on their husbands and wives and i signed an nda so i can only answer so many questions about it if right. you know what i mean yeah but but what i'm trying to say on that show this is a real sad story. I worked there for nearly 10 years, and the host of that show is a guy named Clark Gable. His grandfather was Clark Gable from the movie Gone with the Wind, the famous actor. Really? This is his, yes, this is his grandson. I became good friends with him. And Jesse, when I say this guy had a drug tolerance, I'm telling you, every day after we would be done with it, you know, uh, we'd do a bus, he'd come back to the studio, he'd have a six-pack of beer. He had a doctor in California that would prescribe him every kind of pill he wanted, you know, what did a doctor feel good? <laughs> and I'm not saying this as a good thing. I'm just saying, like, like I'd never seen anything like this. This guy, because his dad was Clark Gable's son and Clark Gable, the famous one, the one, the famous actor, he was a big drinker and you know, philanderer. Right. So the son grew up in that lifestyle, his dad. So the grandson was even more screwed up. Like he just grew up, you know, being around weed and stuff at 10, nine years old. He, even though he just grew up in a wild lifestyle. So the reason why I talk about how wild he is, he was the host of the show. We're done with season 17. He, he, I get a call from his wife. He said, Clark's dead. I said, what do you mean? Clark's dead. Clark overdosed and died. I go, well, how did he overdose? The guys, I've seen him do tons of drugs. I mean, what the hell? It doesn't make any sense. Well, Jesse, he went and bought some oxycodone or some Vicodin. I don't know, you know, some sort of pain pill. He ran out of his pills that he gets from his doctor, and it had fentanyl in it. Wow. And he, he took it. He died with his 19-month-old baby and his wife in bed. And the reason why I taught, I gave that whole thing about how wild he was, if I would have thought he would die, I thought he would be in a, you know, a drunk driving accident at the strip club with needles in his arm. You know, I thought he would go right. out in a blaze of glory, not just in bed with his baby, his 19 month old, like that was a night he was taking off and he died. And what that did is that changed my life because that, that season I had a really bad cavity. I ended up getting a, I had to get the teeth pulled <laughs> and I got a gold crown. But I remember I asked him one time, I was like, man, I can't even go to work today. Uh, Cause my, it just hurt so bad. He's like, Oh, here, can I, you know, have one of these pain pills. And I don't like pain pills. They make me sick, but I took one and I, nothing happened to me. But then after I found out that he's, he died, I thought, man, I could have easily died. So I got, I told, I quit drinking. I quit doing every drug. Not that I was really big into drugs, but I just totally changed my life when he died. He was a close friend of mine. Then shortly thereafter, they said, Alex, you're going to be the next host of cheaters. I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of sad. My friend died. And, you know, I was really, you know, I was like, well, but this is kind of a good opportunity. Obviously, I'm going to do it. I've been working there a long time. I was the next, I was the next choice up. And when it comes to, to hire me, April 2020, right when the pandemic's getting started, they hire a guy named Peter Guns out of New York, a 52-year-old black dude, which is nothing about it. Hey, but, you know, because they wanted to go with more of an intersectionality choice instead of another white guy because Viacom MTV owns it. So, you know, affirmative action kind of cost yeah. me that job, which is what it is. What a but mess. Yeah, it is what it is. But listen, <laughs> so, so, so then I decided one of the guys on Cheetah's like, Alex, you just need to do your own show. And so long story short, how does this get to me going to city council meetings? Well, then I started my podcast in May 2020. I started talking about the government. I started talking about politics. I started talking about all this stuff. 
there's a pandemic got worse. I went to a city council meeting, but at this time it was over Zoom, Jesse, and I talked very seriously. I said, you know, these aren't based in science. You know, they, you know these lockdowns they, they, here at this, we got this big park called Bachman Lake here in Texas. I walk my dogs around it every day. They got these public bathrooms that don't even have a roof. They're decent, though. They shut those down and put in porta potties. And an 81-year-old guy named Rudy used to walk his dog all the time. He stopped walking his dog because he said, I don't want to change my colostomy bag. At, you know, in a porta potty. So I just saw this. I went and spoke serious. Like, man, y'all cannot shut this down. We need exercise. We need sunlight. You know, they, I don't know how this helps a virus is, you know, not uh, us not being able to go walk outside. Yeah. They looked at me like I was a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, but they were right. I am. I am that. But what I'm saying is I realized, <laughs> oh man, this, this, this isn't going to work, Jess. This isn't going to, they're not going to, they're not going to pay attention. So that's when the light bulb went off in my head. Then the next meeting, I said this whole thing. I said, well, our mayor is a black guy named Eric Johnson. And, and I said, you know, Mayor Johnson, you know, you're trying to get the vaccine numbers up. Why don't we offer free Johnson and Johnson from Mayor Johnson in the gay community, in the gay community at Cedar Springs area, the gayborhood. And I said, the gay community will love the double entendre. And then I go, since you're the first openly gay mayor of Dallas, they would love that. Well, he's not openly gay. He's got a wife and three kids and Jesse's eyes got this big. He was so mad. He was so mad at me. I could just tell. I was like, all right, all right. That's when the light bulb went off. Like, all right, now I'm going to troll these people because I get my three minutes. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. And that is the was off to the races in so long story short i went to go starting off going to the meetings you know as a way to kind of get my name out there but talk earnestly they didn't pay attention then the goofier i got the more i drew them off sides like tom brady's being like hut 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 you know he tries to draw the defense off sides i try to draw them off sides jesse that's amazing i saw the one where you were in uh so let me ask when you said to the mayor the openly gay thing did he talk to you later about that did he ever Call well, you or confront yeah, you? No, no. Well, he's brought it up the next time. He, you know, and I call, I said, and in that same thing, I said, you know, you're more likely to die of COVID if you're overweight and he's a little pudgy. And I was like, Mary, <laughs> you need to lose some weight too. And that's when he was just, so he's like, oh, this is the guy that calls me fat. Now he knows me exactly who I am. Right. But, the, but the meeting, he's like, oh, this is the guy that calls me fat. Uh, so he's just, you know, and what I realize is these these politicians, it doesn't even matter if they're at the lower level. They all have this self-righteousness, self-importance yeah. about themselves. And yeah. this is the thing is they are what we call in the video game of life NPCs, non-playable characters. Like you want to interact with them. You press the controller, you want to press A. Yeah. But they don't want to interact with you. So I realized the way to interact with them is you got to you know, shake them. You got to shake them up like a cocaine. You got to get them all sides. You got to get them like emotionally invested in what you're saying. And then you can start to play them like a video game. Very smart. I remember in watching your videos, I remember we used to go downtown Los Angeles to confront city councils or mm -hmm. the school board, school board members. And they act as though we were not there. You know, they just walk around. On their phone. They look. They're on their phone right. the whole time. Yeah, they yeah. don't pay attention to you. And so I'm like, wow, what an amazing way to get their attention. And I could see that they don't know what to do when you're up there speaking and doing your thing. They're like, they don't know if they should have you sit down or yell at you or what to do. And so it's amazing. I saw well, just. Your well, head? I just want to say this. This is why it's effective, though, Jesse. And this is what I realized. This I is love a, this, it. 
No, but this is what, and I didn't, I didn't create this term. Other people are sort of calling it this, and now this is the, this is the proper term. It's called culture jamming. Culture jamming. You're taking the most absurd parts of our culture that they have to agree to, like this abortion thing, yeah. and you go up there and you act like you love abortion because that's sick. We're killing babies in the woman California. They want to kill a baby up to the nine months, you know. And if you go up there and you talk, oh, I love abortion. It's so cool. What you're doing <laughs> is you're jamming their crazy, insane culture in their face because when you hear them talk about the media, they always kind of obfuscate that and be like, oh. It's women's right. It's women's health care instead of, oh, we're killing a baby at nine months. So when you go and you actually talk about what's really happening, what their political agenda really is, yeah. you culturally jam it in their face. And then they're kind of like, wow, what, you know, it gives them a different perspective. Yes. And so now that they know you, uh, when they see you coming, do they prevent you from coming up or do they allow you still to come up? Well, no, they got to let you come up. You know, that's a Supreme Court. You know, it's a, you know, they have to. Your First Amendment right to speak. Now, right. if you say... Like if I went up there and I said the N word or I was just cussing about like you can cuss a little, not that I do, but I see because because I would go just I would see people that that said that would go up there and cry and be like my neighbor's house caught on fire, then the fire department got there and somehow my house caught on fire. The fire department didn't do a good job and they're crying. I lost everything. My cat died and they just look at you like you're nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so like and so sometimes I would see people get cussed, you know, cussed be like oh f you, and they don't kick you off for that. (laughs) But but technically, you know, they could if you acted if you said something like horribly, you know, really profane, theoretically, they could ask you to stop. But as long as you kind of color within the lines a little bit, they have to give you your three minutes. Oh, I see. I saw uh, the one where you went to Beverly Hills and you were uh, uh, speaking to the mayor and I believe it was a city council or something. And you call them out, and they were stunned. They didn't know yeah. what to do with you. You don't even have to technically live in the city as long as you conduct business there. So even if you go shop in that city, you can go speak at that city city council. That's that's technically the rules in all cities. Like if you conduct any business there, like if you buy business, you know, really, you buy, I didn't it, know that. Yeah, if you go to the grocery store in that city, you can speak there because you're doing business in that city. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, so you can speak in any city legally. That's that's how it works. So, but so instead of saying, "Oh, you can't speak as long as I sign up," because sometimes there's a time limit to sign up. So as long as I signed up at the time level, what they did was they decided to make the public speaking portion only one minute instead of three, and they put it at the very end of the meeting, so you'd have to wait for the boring meeting right. instead of let it doing it at the beginning. Well, the city council member said they were going to do a vote to actually get rid of it and put it to put the you know support public support public speaking portion at a private meeting where they didn't have to film it and they could do it once a month, but they didn't really they would have to go back there and do a whole other meeting. But they thought, oh. Well, this guy won't be able to film it and you know put it on the internet. But what happened was is the city council member just made the, the best point. He goes, I've been a council member for six years, and we're going to change the whole entire process of our meetings because one guy has been here for two months, and they just felt so dumb. So my point being with all that is uh, that people are now – doing the same thing as me there's other people going to these meetings and culture jamming and i love that because it does have an effect because you've been to these meetings too i didn't invent going to the city council meeting so what i'm saying is it does affect them they yeah. are visibly sh- shaken because everybody goes and kisses their dairy air all the time everybody's yeah. always blowing smoke up their butt so when somebody goes up there and gives them the business they're like well, you know <laughs> it freaks them out that's funny you know another one I-, I can go on and on but you dressed up like a a female swimmer you had on this Jesse, woman. that's the biggest one. Hey, Jesse, <laughs> let me tell you something. Okay, it's funny. So so this is why I did that. Of course we got Leah Thomas. This is how this is how screwed up the world is, Jesse yeah. Lee Peterson. You're like Leah Thomas is my friend. 
Yeah, she's my role model. She's my sister, is what I said. Okay, but listen to this. So you know this and I know this, but but William Thomas swam on the boys team for three years, was the 457th ranked swimmer in the national NCAA, right? Right. Then he takes hormone therapy. He gets to go on the women's team, the University of Pennsylvania women's team, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, the same school where they gave uh, Joe Biden his fake teacher a doctorate or whatever the heck he is, where he said he was a teacher at, was at that same school. What a coincidence. But what I'm saying is he went from 450, seventh on the boys team to the number one ranked female swimmer and still has his wiener Bruh. everybody on the team is complaining <laughs> they don't like that that you know she is swimming and, you know she's changing in the same locker room as them and leah thomas is a lesbian leah thomas still wants to sleep with women so it's very <laughs> weird and so what i'm saying is i was like man i'm gonna go put on a bathing suit and i'm gonna go walk around and say i want to swim with the women because we are in the clown world i don't even i don't even have to come up with the bitch jesse they are doing all the comedy yeah. i'm just holding a mirror to it yeah they didn't know what to do. The lesbians and and the other people who were dressing in women clothes, they didn't know what to do with you that day that I saw you. They didn't know. Uh, they didn't know. They just didn't know how to handle you. How did you prevent from laughing at them? Because you could see that they were all thrown off and they just didn't know how to handle you. Well, Jesse, this is all projections. You know how we talk about, we talk about racism, but you know who is race, racist? A lot of these leftists, you know, they, yeah. they're the ones that are like non-inclusive. They're the ones that perpetuate that, you know, racial stereotypes or whatever. Uh, you know, they're the ones that actually are non-inclusive. Like they want to be like, oh, we got to have a party. We got to be inclusive to everyone. But yet they, since they know me, they know like a little bit about me. I'm not included. So Dude, it's it's easy not to laugh because the world is so crazy. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, it's it's almost it's almost. I almost wish I could laugh more, Jesse. <laughs> so, are you a rapper? Do you rap sometimes? Because you did this rap song on Ukraine, and it was amazing. <laughs> Wow, yes, I'm Primetime 99, Alex Stein on the ground all the time. What do you mean? I got more bars than a Xanax dealer, Jesse. I'm telling you, I got, I am a rap sensation. I mean, yeah, I'm a pimp on a blimp eating steak and shrimp. So I've always, you know, like I said, you know, I told you I'm a culture vulture. I grew up listening to Biggie, Tupac, all the classics, UGK. So yes, I'm a rapper and, and uh, you know, I'm an entertainer. I, I'm a performance artist. You know who I love the most was a guy by the name of Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, you know, they did that movie, uh, Jim Carrey did the movie it's called man on the moon but you know he sang and danced and that's what i see i can sing i'm the triple threat i can sing dance speak act <laughs> there's nothing i can't do jesse <laughs> it's amazing it is an amazing talent and i love the way that you present reality to these people and they sit there and they just don't know what to do with it they just have to live they, they can't run away and they can't not help but pay attention to you because it definitely brings your attention to what is going on. So I wish you well with that, man. Keep it up. It is an amazing thing to do. Wow. Well, Jesse, coming from you, I really appreciate that. And I want to say this, like, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, Alex, you're fearless. And I think people say that about you. But really, I don't think we have a choice in this day and age. Like yeah. you're either going to, you know, you're either just yeah. going to be a little wimp and let him do it or you stand up for yourself and you and I'm not trying to kiss your butt. I'm just saying you stand up for yourself. You don't just go with the status quo. Oh, I'm a black man. And you call out a lot of this because, you know, and this is one of the biggest problems, you know, I would say with the black community is that they're, they're raised without their the BLM movement is all about the denuclearization of the house. The BLM yeah. movement, Patrice Keller bought a house in a 97 percent white neighborhood. Uh, uh, 2% Asian neighborhood, less than 1% black. So I'm just saying, you know, you, 
they are the most hypocrites. They're going to say, oh, you're a black guy. That's an oxymoron to be a black guy that isn't, you know, a loony leftist. But they are the hypocrites, not you. So, you know, I, I really appreciate you standing up and not just, you know, uh, being uh, and not to use a racial a racial epithet, a step and fetch type guy that just does whatever <laughs> Joe Biden tells you to do. I know. What a mess. Um what do you think about what's happening in Ukraine in that our government is sending all the money and and uh, war, war machines and everything over there and leaving us wide open here, starving us out? What do you think the purpose of that? What is Jesse, it that they want? I know exactly what it is. It's, a, it's called globalization. The thing is, uh, they will subvert America's power in order to gain global dominance. When you have organizations like NATO, the World Economic Forum, they don't want us to have anything. They shut down the, you know, now they say there's a baby food shortage. You know, they don't right. have enough uh, baby formula because one of the one of the factories, supposedly they had a uh, mold in it. And, and that produces nearly half of all the, the baby formula. So what I'm saying is, and then and they're shipping baby baby formula to the Ukraine. So this is what this is what happens is we have what is called the military industrial complex that gets a, the majority of our funding. So as soon as they got out of Afghanistan, just conveniently, they started another war in the Ukraine where they could send all their money, they could send all of our old weapons, and they got to cut checks, and we got to write, we got to buy new weapons here because we're giving them all of our old stuff. It's no different than it's similar to the Iran Contra. In the 80s, what happens is we gave Nicaraguans a bunch of guns. They gave us cocaine. In the CIA, there's a movie, it's called American Made, and Barry Seal would actually fly the cocaine in into Mena, Arkansas, where, believe it or not, the Clintons, who are, you know, Satanist worshipers, the worst people on earth, you yeah. know, where he, where he was yeah. the governor. But they would take that cocaine, they would put in a U-Haul truck, and they would drop it off to Freeway Ricky Ross in L.A. They would drop it off to Griselda Blanco in Florida, and they would they created the crack epidemic. And that's another reason why they're systemically, uh, you know, opportunistic, because they made, uh, you know, a handful of crack was worth the same as a much of it, a trunk full of powdered cocaine. That was done to put, you know, in my opinion, put black people in jail. But, but regardless, regardless of that what i'm saying is our country the people that run it they don't necessarily care about us they actually care about establishing dominance worldwide so yeah. when they, they and this is this is how you know they're they're hypocritical like you look at all these when i talk about the multinational corporations like the military industrial complex like the pharmaceutical industrial complex all of these companies are hypocritical you look at look at disney right they're fighting the don't say gay bill in florida yet when they put out a movie the beast of dumbledore in china they edit out all the gay scenes all uh, uh disney says oh they they want to put you know black characters as the main lead when they put out the star wars movie they had to airbrush john boyega the black character off the poster in China because the Chinese people don't like black people. So I'm saying these countries during the Gay Pride Month, every single every single company is going to put a gay flag during whatever Gay Pride Month is. But when they put that same when their their same profile picture in Saudi Arabia, they'll never have a gay flag because in Saudi Arabia, you know it's it's basically a crime to be gay. You look at the NBA in 2016 because Charlotte banned trans people from using the same bathroom as their you know sex they want to pick right. and making their do their, 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 their biological sex. They took away the NBA. All-Star game. Now the NBA is doing games in the United Arab Emirates coming up where they actually throw gay people off a building. So the problem is, is that we have corporations making decisions and they're all hypocrites. So they actually want to destabilize America in order to gain dominance. It's like this is a perfect example. You look at your Apple iPhone and at the at the factories in China where they make these, it's called the Foxconn factories. There, they treat the employees so bad they have to have suicide nets. And the reason why they do that is because they don't want to pay them and actually you know, give them a living wage. They want to take advantage of them, just like when Nike was making tennis shoes with Malaysians for 10 cents, then they sell it to us. 
So my problem is, is now this is just another way for people, for congressmen, politicians to get money through their political action committees from Pfizer, from Halliburton, for these companies. And that's what's happening in Ukraine. It's all about money and world dominance and not it's about America last, not America first. Are you concerned as a result of what they're doing over there in uh, Ukraine that Putin may somehow or another get really ticked off and start a worldwide war or something? Well, I think I think they we want the I think we want to have the world war just as bad as Putin. And so honestly, I think Putin probably knows that. And I don't necessarily think Putin's a good guy because journalists that speak out against him, they you know, he'll have them killed. So what, what is what they're doing is they're using Ukraine as just another way to start a never ending conflict, very similar to the Middle East. But now that you have Europe involved, people are a little more uh, they, they say, oh, the people in Ukraine are the same color as you and me. Yeah. Yet in Ukraine, they also have the Azov Battalion and, you know, which are actual Nazis. So. So what I'm trying to say is they're trying to get it's very similar after 9-11. Everybody's like, oh, let's go kill all the Muslims. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> riled up the troops because everybody saw those towers fall down. Now people are seeing all these sad stuff coming out of Russia and Ukraine. They're like, oh, we got to kill Vladimir Putin. So if Putin drops a big bomb, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But I think it, it doesn't matter what Putin does. America is going to get involved even more in the war in Ukraine. They're going to get involved until we have troops there. One hundred percent. That's amazing. What is the solution to all of this mess that's happening, at least in our country? Because I, I put my country first, America first, right? Of what course. do you say is the solution to all this mess? Well, the first thing people have to do, and people always ask me that, is people need to start taking care of themselves. We need to go outside and get some little exercise, a little walking, you know, maybe, you know, don't overeat. Because what happens is, is everybody's on antidepressants. And yeah. then if you, you watch any antidepressant commercial, it says one of the uh, side effects is suicidal idolization. So you imagine we live in a society where people come to a doctor and say, I'm depressed. I think I want to kill myself. Oh, well, here's some pills that are going to make you want to kill yourself more. So, <laughs> yeah. so th- that's what they're doing. And then you also look at these young kids. What happens is all these teachers are grooming them. See, when I went to school, they, you didn't know your teacher's sexuality. You didn't, the teacher right. didn't have a Facebook account. I didn't know about their gay crews or what yeah. they did, you know, after 3 PM or whenever school ended, I didn't know. But now all these teachers, they actually want to get involved in these kids' lives. They want to have, like they have it in a lot of these schools and this is multiple schools. This is not a conspiracy, what they call changing rooms where the kid can change into if their parents are, don't approve of them cross-dressing, they can go put on a dress in a changing room as soon as they get to school in wow. first period. Yeah. Have you not seen that, Jesse? There's no. multiple schools. Yes. Yeah, so Google it. You got to look it up. It's called changing rooms. So what this That's is doing amazing. is, yeah, they're attacking kids. They're making all, you know, they're they're making all the kids basically with all these teachers that are, you know, giving them, you know, the child grooming, making them feel like that the only way to get attention is to say that you're LGBTQ. So they're going after kids. They're going after our mental health. So the first and foremost, before we can fix our countries, we need to take some. We got to take some uh, uh, self-responsibility and yeah. try to fix ourselves because everybody's so depressed. Misery loves company. That's why these people are like, oh, you know, be miserable with me. That's why they can't stand to see somebody winning. Nobody. That's why jealousy is so bad. Comparison is the thief of joy. So I tell people if the before we want to fix America, we got to stop worrying about the materialism. Everybody's like, oh, if I don't have this Lexus car, I'm you know, I'm going to yeah. feel uncomfortable. If yeah. I don't have if I don't have this this inanimate object. I'm not going to feel good yet. Nobody cares about you. As a matter of fact, this is what they say. Your biggest fan is a stranger and your biggest enemy is one of your close friends. Yeah. So, so, so in order to fix our country, we need to take more self-responsibility in fixing ourselves. And then I think once we have more people that actually have the ability to fix themselves, 
then we can fix a problem. But we're never going to be able to fix a problem when people are constantly depressed and fighting with each other. Because what they do that on purpose, they make us fight each other. So we don't go after the politicians. So we don't actually solve the problem. It's like this abortion thing. What's going on now? You see all the conservatives on the right were, were for the last two years saying, I don't want a vaccine mandate. I don't want the government telling me anything about my health care or health rights. But then you have the people on the left the last two, the last two years saying, oh, you got to mandate vaccines. You got to do it to travel. You need a vaccine to work. And then now all the people on the left are saying, I don't want the government involved. My body, my choice. Right. And now you got all the people on the right saying, oh, the government can restrict your abortion. So what it's doing, it's <laughs> It's meant to make you both look like hip hypocrites, and now we each have ammo to, to shoot at each other because, oh, you're, you should change your opinion. You didn't want the government involved in our health care. Yeah. Now you do want the government. So what it's doing is they are these people, these social engineers, I call it, are – are awesome at doing this, at making us fight with each other. So we need to take self-responsibility and, and try to fix ourselves, try to get in better mental, physical, emotional state, and then stop fighting with each other and start fighting the people that are engineering us to, you know, be weak, be fat, you know, and, and ruin our country, Jesse. Yeah. What a mess. You, you um, uh, speaking of abortion, what do you think of the, the fact that these people are protesting in front of the judge's home, the conservative ones at least, they are in front of the home now. That was unheard of years ago. What do you think about all that that's happening right now? Protests well, in front of the judge household. Well, I'm not surprised. And watch it. And this is this is the thing is now that you see Jen Psaki's even saying, oh, well, the president, as long as they're peaceful, the president right. encourages it. But this is that's another psychological operation, because now as soon as, as something goes in the left side and then you got right wing people going in front of uh, you know Supreme Court justice's house or in front of a politician arrested, you know, charged with crimes, they're doing that. It's going to be like it's just like January 6th. It's like we had a whole summer where they burned down every target in yeah. the United States of America. And nobody <laughs> went to jail. And then you had on January 6th and People walked within the, the velvet ropes and broke a few windows. And I think a one woman got shot. And now they are literally domestic terrorists. So I think mm -hmm. it's a they're what the what happens is, is it's rules for thee, not for me. They're gonna let these people get in front of these people's houses. They're gonna say it's okay now. And then it's gonna there's gonna be a reason where the conservative type people need to go protest in people's houses and they're gonna take them to jail. Yeah. I just I think it's a it's just a psychological operation and to trick people into thinking it's okay to do that, but they know it's not okay to go in front of somebody's house like that. Right. You know the they say, oh, but it's peaceful. It's okay if it's peaceful. Well, it's very easy. They have what is called agent provocateurs where they put an FBI agent and they dress them up and, you know, in one of these people's clothes and put them in a MAGA hat. And then they throw a Molotov cocktail and then everybody gets in trouble because of that one person that, you know, that I was know. the fake bad person. So there's just, it's a the CIA, Jesse, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. That's the problem is we have these alphabet agencies and JFK spoke about them right before he died. They have so much power and they can control the narrative that you and me they want to keep us in a constant state of fear it's called cognitive dissonance we know the government lies to us but we just think oh the people in charge have our best interest when we know that's not the case but we just still give them the benefit of the doubt i also believe that the the uh the politicians know that the uh u.s supreme court said no we're not going to deal with this abortion issue we're going to turn it over back to the states and let them handle it. They know that this is not the end to abortion. I just think that the politicians are using the people, getting them all angry, riled up, so that they can stay in perceived power come November, because we have a midterm coming up this November. And I think they just want the people angry so that they can go to the polls come November and vote for them. I don't think the politicians are mad about what the U.S. Supreme Court might do. Uh, they want the people to be angry so yep. they can vote them in. 
You're a hundred thousand percent right because you look at all these people. We know Joe Biden. I mean, the most popular president, <laughs> President since Joe Biden. I mean, since Biden, sure. But this is what I'm saying. All these people have been lulled to sleep by Sleepy Joe and Kamala because they suck at their job so much. So now they take away abortion, which there's going to be states like California. States like Nevada, yeah. New York, where you're always going to be able to get an abortion. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Gavin Newsom will probably fly you first class to get it and put you up in a five-star hotel, probably. If, Absolutely. You know, if they, if they, I believe so, that's possible. <laughs> so there, so there's not the abortion's not going away. You're right. It's all done to to shake up the hornet's nest because all these people were asleep. So now they're awake and they're fighting for some fake cause that's not even going to go away. They're still going to be able to do it. Right. It's just, you nailed it. I love your freestyle abortion thing you did. You just uploaded <laughs> that one. That well, one I just, yeah, and see, that's the other culture jamming thing. It's like, <laughs> man, okay, everybody, I get it. Like, you know, it may be, and I don't really necessarily like abortion at all, but in Texas, we have the heartbeat bill. So after six weeks, you can't get an abortion. To me, that makes sense. You know, I think yeah. even most people, would, what I'm saying is would say, even like somebody that's pro-abortion, at least put a limit on it. But these people want to put, and I'm not saying that's how, how I feel. I'm just saying, I think when they ask people that in European countries, Countries, they have really strict abortion laws where you can't get one. And I'm saying even people in America, they think there should be a limit somewhere to an abortion is what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. the majority of people. Yeah. But what they're trying to do now is make it where you can literally have an abortion in the last trimester, the day the baby is born. That is murder. <laughs> and that's and that's I mean, that's sick. Yeah. Nobody in their right mind would agree to kill a baby the day it's born. Well, that's how evil operates, though. Evil will destroy you and everybody around you if you don't do something about it, if you don't stop it before it gets out of control. I want to ask uh, about, we talked about racism. I hear a lot of talk uh, about white supremacy or supremacists. Uh, do you believe that white supremacists exist? Well, this is what it is on the left side. It's called the white savior mentality is what I call it. And I think that is the most racist thing where all these people on the left, you know, and that's usually them. They think that, oh, uh, uh, they, they know better than a black people. They know when racism exists more than when a black person does. <laughs> right. So that I think in a way, it's not white supremacy. It's this white savior thing, which, which is bullcrap. Because if you go to the grocery store, you're not going to ever go to one grocery store in America and a black guy is going to walk in there with his groceries and say, oh, we can't check you out. No, this is it. This is no color. It's allowed. <laughs> That's not going to happen anywhere. Yeah. But if you talk, if you talk to these white liberals, these limousine liberals, they are the ones that perpetuate the racism more than anybody. They're the most racist people in my opinion so yeah. do, does, does white supremacy exist is, is are white people the supreme race no i think white people probably you know i guess i think what is it like 60 percent white people in america so I, maybe there's more white people uh you know on the average but the fact that any racism in my opinion is mainly done on the left that is uh all projection you know i read that your mother um expired recently right Jesse, let me tell you something. I don't know if this is going to be on YouTube or Subscribestar, so I don't know how much we can say, but let me tell you something about my mom. So my mom was my biggest fan. In October, she was having trouble breathing. You know, she was, she, you know, uh, it was a shorter breath, and I, I, you know, I was just really didn't want to go to the hospital. Well, we went, she went to the hospital, and I'm telling you, we went, we talked to the doctors. We said, we, we don't want any remdesivir. We don't want to put it on our ventilator. They, they brought in the, the palliative care. The second day she was in there, she's talking to me. She's got, you know, this little mask on. They're acting like she's going to die. They said, oh, we're not going to give her any remdesivir. They told me that. I got it on tape. I got this, and I even posted this on the internet. 
They gave my mom remdesivir behind my back. Now I'm working on a medical malpractice lawsuit. My mom's organs filled up with fluid five days later, and she drowned in her own fluids and, and died in my arms. And she was, and I have no doubt in my mind, she was murdered by those people. Like they knew, especially they knew that I was anti-vax and my mom was supposedly vaccinated. Like she didn't ever tell me she was vaccinated, right. but they said that she was vaccinated and they had her vaccine stuff. So my mom, even though I was really close to my mom, she knew that I would never want to get vaccinated, but she had to, she had medical issues. So she probably felt like, you know, that was the right thing to do. And she died, but she didn't die from COVID. They put COVID on her thing. She didn't die. She was a little short of breath. She's probably, you know, she probably could have stayed at home with an oxygen machine in her nose. But I'm telling you, when they gave her remdesivir, all of her organs shut down within five days. That's amazing, man. No, it's fucked up. Excuse my language. I'm saying it's the worst thing in the world. And that's that's another thing is that's what they say is the the origin story of like, uh, uh, I'm not a superhero. I'm more of a villain because I, I if, if they wouldn't have locked us down and put down all this, what I call trauma-based mind control. If they wouldn't have scared my mom to death, she wouldn't have been wearing her mask. She probably would have left her house. She probably would have exercised. But for the last two years, she stayed in her apartment, basically, with her dog and with her cat. And I would bring her food all the time. She basically didn't go out because she was so scared because they put my mom in a constant state of fear. And she was the one that fell victim of it because she didn't get vitamin D because she didn't take care of herself because she was constantly looking at the news, constantly scared. So for me, this pandemic, I don't think it was COVID that killed my mom. I think it was the restrictions and then the remdesivir. And you look at the numbers too. A lot of the people that uh, that when we, we talk about deaths, we, there's called it's called SARS, sudden acute respiratory syndrome, MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory System. That existed before COVID, and that killed about sixty thousand to a hundred thousand people every year, even before the pandemic. Yeah. So we've had viral stuff. I'm not saying my mom couldn't get a viral infection or pneumonia in her lungs. That people about a hundred thousand people die of that every year. But I'm talking about it was the protocol they gave my mom that is is what killed her and it's just like how dr fauci gave them azt gave all those aids patients azt that that uh, that the you know that cancer medicine that they had backed up and they you know said oh we'll approve it for aids that actually killed people and they're going to find out right now i might have an i have an uphill battle in the case because the remdesivir is still the medically recommended uh you know uh whatever prophylactic whatever you want to call it uh medicine for coronavirus but they know that that is is making people's kidneys and organs fail yeah. and, and and the reason why because they want more numbers to die because my mom when she died they got thirty nine thousand dollars. i mean they looked at my mom they gave her every single thing they could give her i mean her medical bill and i didn't i didn't pay a dollar of it because you know i was i'm not gonna ever pay a dollar for medical uh stuff but what i'm saying is they 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 knew my mom wasn't going to make it, and they took my mom out. And that's not a conspiracy. I watched it happen right in front of my face. As a matter of fact, the, the day she died, I mean, it was a cop that had to escort me out because they were so mad that I was going to do something to the nurses. That's amazing. And how old was your mother when she expired? She was 59 years old. She wow. died. At, yeah, yeah. She died a couple months before her 60th birthday. It was really bad, Jesse. And she died two weeks after my birthday, after my 35th birthday. It was a really bad birthday. Well, may her soul rest in peace. And mm -hmm. are you an only child? Only child. And I'm real close to my dad. You know, I'm, I'm still really close to my dad. So that's good. But see, this is the thing. This is the sad thing is, is I love my dad. He's one of my best friends. I'm really nice. tired. Of my, no, but but listen, he <laughs> he he, you know, he's a bail bondsman. He, you know, he's like a, this wild guy. And, you know, he's just he tries to fly as under the radar as possible is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And when I go to all these meetings, <laughs> oh, my God, he can't stand it, Jesse. 
And then my mom, she loved it. And my mom was, oh, she used to cheerlead. She used to call me. She used to watch me do this stuff live before I even posted on the internet. She'd be watching the live stream of the Dallas City, uh, you know, meeting, calling me. Oh, you're about to speak. She, I mean, she was my not that my dad's not my fan. Yeah, my mom, my mom was my number one fan, Jess. And I, did, I wouldn't have wanted to lose my dad either. I'm just saying, it's like. Man, this world that, that we live in, this is the thing, and, and I, I know you talk about this, but there really is a battle of good versus evil. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the thing is bad stuff happened to good people. And I'm not even saying I'm some morally great person. It's just, man, I can see why people are like, yeah, this is, this is a, I've been seeing a lot of tweets from people like, oh, oh uh, why would you want to be aborted? And then people are like, actually, I wish I was aborted. I wish I was aborted. Because some people are so depressed. They're yeah. literally tweeting like, that's not a good yeah. disc because I wish I was aborted. So the thing is, so many people have bad crap happen to them. They actually, you know, they like don't want to live anymore. But after seeing my mom die, life is so short. Life is so fragile. Like in the blink of an eye, you can lose it all. Yeah. And so, you know, people don't realize that. And as a matter of fact, Jesse, just for us to be here at one point, we had nearly 8,000 grandparents that all had to have sex at the exact time, then have a baby. That baby had to live long enough to be able to have another baby. So just for us to be here, you and me to be having this conversation is almost impossible. Literally, mathematically, almost impossible. But what they do is they take away that specialness in your life. They want to make you feel like you're some cosmic accident. The Big Bang happened and just two rocks smashed together and you got here a million years later. That's not the case. There is a creator. There is a God. Yeah. You have a soul, but they don't want to make you feel like that. They want to make you feel like you are nothing. You are just some sort of cosmic accident and you are mold growing on the earth. And when you die, nothing happens. That's not the case. We need to take back the spiritual nature of ourselves and realize that we are a soul that has a thumb. We're not a thumb that has a soul. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Because of time, I got to ask a couple more things I want to know. Tucker Carson, you on Tucker. And that's when I first saw you. I'm like, wow, it was funny. But have things changed in any way since being on Tucker Carson show? Oh, for sure. And again, I wouldn't have believed this, but Tucker Carlson is a big fan of mine. He texts me all the time. He yeah. loves my videos, uh, you know, and this is the one thing. So when they first, when I first got a message, so I got, I have a call-in number for my podcast and it's like a Google voice number that's on the internet. You know, it's not my personal number. So I get a, somebody leaves a message and sends a text like, oh, I'm a producer from Tucker Carlson. I'm like, sure. You know, I, I troll all this. I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. All right, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. I am too. Yeah. I'm Santa Claus click. And, uh, and then, you know, I come to find out, okay, they are, they're legit. And so, you know, I start talking to them. You have to do not really a pre-interview, but yeah, basically, you know, like a 30 minute conversation with the producer right. and they kind of find out the backstory. Then I realized they're legit. And then that night I'm looking at my cell phone. All of a sudden it's a message from Tucker Carlson himself. It's like, Hey, this is Tucker from Fox. I'm like, what in the world? He goes, man, I love your stuff. His favorite video is when I went, I put on a military uniform and I tried to get uh, the people of the city council to sign up for the Ukrainian foreign legion and go fight in the war. Oh, yeah. and, and right after that, that, that I forget that Wesley guy, whatever that one that CNN contributor, he went and signed up to go fight in the, in the war. They said that that was because of me. But what I'm trying to say is, is he sent me a message and said, man, what you're doing is literal art. He's a big yeah. fan. So I'm not saying that to humble brag. I'm not. What I'm trying to say is that, that Tucker Carlson's actually pretty hip. Like he gets, yeah, he gets it. He He's does. a funny guy, yeah. you know? And I watch his, his show every day because um, he's so on it. He's, and he lays it out so well that you can't miss the point. It's so clear. And uh, so I really love his show. I watch him all the time. I got to ask about Elon Musk. Um, what do you think of Elon buying uh, Twitter or supposedly end up owning Twitter? And how do you feel about all that? 
Well, now you're going to give me on my soapbox, okay? Even though I've been talking a lot all interview. So this is what they do with Elon Musk is they give us the impression, oh, now Elon Musk owns Twitter. We're going to have free speech. But this is what they do. They give us an inch and they take a mile. Notice how they had the disinformation uh, czar, the new Ministry of Truth, is coming out at the same, basically the same day they announced it that he's going to buy it. And, and they, they had that. And they were planning that for months, supposedly. So what I'm trying to say is Elon Musk, if you think he's going to be our hero, sure, he might seem like it on paper. But this is the same guy that wants to put a neural link in your head so you can park your tesla car so i don't think and i don't think any billionaire like like elon musk yeah i like him more than jeff bezos sure but i don't think he's going to be our savior i mean these guys are what they call transhumanists they don't care about our life he was married to that woman they named his baby rxz894 they he couldn't even name his baby a real name did you see that i mean name your baby sarah or something you know you don't name your baby after a computer chip i didn't know that oh yeah you look up that you gotta do before when the interview's done look up what he named his baby's name it's like he he gave it some weird name you can't even pronounce with with weird letters so listen i like i like elon musk because he's saying he's gonna reinstate trump he's gonna do all that all that i can like but this is the other thing is listen i love donald trump but at the same time i got a lot of complaints with donald trump you look at him when you look at january 6th a lot of those people were all his biggest fans he still had 11 days he should have helped them out they shouldn't have let these people you know their lives be ruined because they went there and protested you know what they felt what they were in the right of especially when the whole summer they were protesting they, they didn't get any of those people in trouble and also I'm, I'm a little mad at trump because julian assange with the wikileaks gave him the election by exposing hillary clinton with all those emails he couldn't even get her, get her out of jail so what i'm just trying to say is when they when they put somebody up as the hero yeah. or the antithesis to the left they're never usually the hero this is all i'm saying we can like him i love donald trump yeah. i like donald trump i like elon musk but if they are going to be my savior then we're screwed either way i totally agree uh, even though i love the great white hope yeah i do too i like it listen yeah. i would love trump over For biden yet new regulation two old regulations must be eliminated uh, is the he's great the best. hope but and you're right. We should not look to another person to be our savior. I totally agree with that. We got to save ourselves. That's yes. you how we fix this country. We got to take self responsibility. See, you've done that. You're cre- you created a show that's popular that everybody knows you are, and it's not even necessarily about the fame. It's like you know you worked hard. You know you, yeah. you deserve that. But what I'm trying to say, my point is, we need to create something in life. We need to have a yes. hobby. They they want to make you seem like you're just a debt slave. You're just going paycheck to paycheck, and you got to buy this car to impress some girl and this and that. That's not what life is about. Life is about finding something you like and going after it and putting your time and effort into it, whether it's creating a family, creating a show, creating just whatever you like, instead of just fighting on Twitter with people all day long, instead of just, you know, going to work and being mad because people aren't wearing a mask right. or, or, you know, taking selfies yeah. and I got my vaccine. No, don't do that. What you got to do is you got to take some self-responsibility and make your life. You are the author of your autobiography. Well, write an autobiography you're proud of. Don't let them write your life story for you absolutely man i agree 100 percent. i um i gotta heat this uh interview up i gotta throw you on the hot seat let's go and so (laughs) i need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible i'm quick let's go the hot seat what is a man oh he has a penis and balls (laughs) is the earth flat 
Okay, this is the everybody always asks me this. Okay, you know, this is the one that you know, this is the one that, that pisses people off. So <laughs> this is what I think. This is what I think. I don't think the earth is flat, but I think the sun, moon, and stars are a clock in the sky. You're like, Alex, why do you what do you mean the sun, moon, and stars are a clock in the sky? Well, this is why the moon has 13 28-day cycles. That's 364 days. The sun, how it works is it, it shines the it shines everywhere on earth. For 12 hours, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. So what I think they, they say about the sun, moon, and stars, I don't believe they know what it is. They look through a telescope, and they tell you that these places, they, this is what they say, that they say the sun is 93 million miles away, and that uh, they say the moon is nearly 237,000 miles away. And from our perspective, they're both the same size. What I think is that the moon and the sun is now what they tell us. This is why I say that. I don't know the shape of the earth now. I just don't think that we here on earth are flying. This is what they say, Jesse, that the Earth is spinning 1,100 miles around the equator, that it's orbiting the sun 66,600 miles an hour. And then on top of that, we're going, oh, one, the sun is going 1.4 million miles an hour. And then the whole entire Milky Way galaxy is going 4.4 million miles an hour. Yet Polaris, the North Star, is in the same spot every single night. We've been using celestial navigation forever. So what I, what I believe is I don't believe the Earth is flat, but I believe the machinations of the universe that they tell us is not how it is. I don't think the earth is moving. I think it's how they describe it in the Bible as being immovable. I think the sun, moon, and stars are moving, in my opinion. Amazing. Should transgender be allowed to participate in women's sports? No, they should have their own division or, you know, no, no way. Have you ever been a vegan? I, I, listen, you're going to kill me. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. I don't eat meat, but I'm not vegan. Really? I eat cheese and stuff. Well, this is why. Okay, this is why. And everybody in the conservative world always makes, oh, you're a beta and all this stuff. <laughs> For me, I'm an animal lover. Uh, here, I even got a cat right here. Let me pull one of my cats. Come here, Sky Bear. I'm saying, I, I, so this is why I'm not one of these weird people. Cause I got to buy him fancy feast. I got to buy him meat. You got to feed a cat. That's this is what they say. Having a transgender son and having a vegan cat, you know, it's the, it's the parents making the decision, not the animal or the kid. So what I'm saying is this is why I don't eat the meat. This is the conspiracy theorist in me. First of all, I said the animal lover, but Hillary Clinton, and this is all conspiracy supposedly likes adrenochrome. That's the adrenalized blood of children. That's what they say. But when you kill an animal, when a cow sees its friend dies, they release adrenaline. So you're eating that adrenalized blood of an animal. So it's kind of low vibrational. So for me, like if I was going to eat meat, I'd rather eat something that was killed like a deer running. I don't really like <laughs> the idea of factory farm killing animal. So, yeah, so I don't eat meat, but I do eat cheese. I'm not vegan, but I am. A vet. I don't eat any meat or fish. Have you always been that way or just started? I started like three years ago. Oh. Yeah, but see, this is the thing. I used to be even. I used to be thinner now because I eat all this bread and all this crap. Yeah, uh, uh, I've gained weight. I'm a fat <laughs> vegetarian, as they say. Oh, uh, that's funny, man. Are you a feminist? Well, this is oh, this is uh, this is kind of a trick question. This is how I am a feminist because when they talk about Leah Thomas, we talk about all the time about how he swam on the men's team for three years and swam on the women's team. If I'm a feminist, I think we should protect women's sports. Now, I don't want to watch the WNBA. Nobody wants to watch the WNBA, right. but I also don't think Shaq should be able to go put on a dress and go play in it. So if that causes, <laughs> if that makes me a feminist, I think we should protect women's sports. What is a man? Like I said, he's got a balls. And then what if oh, you I ask me what that, a, yeah. if, and if you ask me what a woman is, she has a uterus. She has a vagina. And, and some women can't have a baby, but the majority of women are able to have a baby. That's a, like Kentaji Brown Jackson says you need to be a biologist to define I what know. a woman is. Well, what she admits and it's about biology then. What a dumb woman. Do you do you um what is love? Oh well, love is like that. 
Well, you know, it's like, uh, like you have, there's different types of love. Like the way you love your parents, even though there's people that, you know, have fallen out with your parents, like love, it's just there. Like it's like that indescribable thing they call je ne sais quoi. Like no matter what, no matter what your parents do, you love them. But then there's also the kind of love that you can fall in and out of with a woman. Like I believe you can fall in love in a sexual, you know, monogamous relationship and fall out of. So I think there's two kinds of love. There's like the never ending love, like kind of like the love you have for your family or like for a pet. And then there's a kind of a lust love. I think they're kind of two different forms of love, in my opinion. Do you believe uh, we landed on the moon? Oh, no way, Jesse. I'm a moon expert. <laughs> Let me tell you something. In 1969 through 1972, they said that we had six missions there and back through the moon through what is called the Van Allen radiation belt. It's a deadly belt of radiation through technology that they accidentally destroyed and we can't recreate it. So listen, I could speak to you about two hours about the moon. I'm a moon landing expert, but this guy, Warner Von Braun, <laughs> he was the lead engineer about the moon landing. He was a, a Nazi rocket scientist we brought over through Operation Paperclip during World War II. We didn't throw all of them in jail, the Nuremberg trial. We actually brought the best scientists over to America and indoctrinated them here in, in our government. So listen, the idea that we had technology in 1972 that we don't have now, all you got to do is this. I could talk all day about it, but just compare a 1969 Lincoln to a 2021 Lincoln and tell me which one has more technology. Amazing. Pancakes or waffles? Man, I got to go with pancakes. I like to, I like the pancakes all day. Do you smoke pot? No, I don't. I don't. I don't smoke pot. I don't drink. And this is the thing. I actually believe that the government should decriminalize marijuana only because I think alcohol is even worse. That's the, what I talk about, the psychological operation. Jesse, they got a liquor store on every corner, on every block. You can go in yeah. there, you can buy a bottle of vodka for $5. You know, literally, they got bottles of vodka for like two ninety nine, <laughs> whatever. So they want us dumb, drunk, and high. Now, I think if everybody's smoking weed, that's the worst thing. I've smoked weed. In my life, I've smoked weed, but I stopped smoking weed. My life's gotten great. It improved greatly when I stopped smoking weed. So what I'm trying to say is, they say, oh, it's not addicting. Everything's addicting. Anything can be addicting. And people are using marijuana as a crutch, especially this new marijuana that's concentrated called yeah. dabs. You know, marijuana is not good. Now, it's something that I probably should exist. If alcohol is good, what I'm trying to say is I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm more of a libertarian like this. I don't, I don't like the vaccine. If you want to get the vaccine and you want to do it, go ahead and do it. So I'm talking about I'm more about personal freedoms. But for me, no way. Do you love white people? Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, of course. Yeah, I did. I have 100%. you a Christian? Well, see, this is the thing. So my last name's Stein, right? And oh, I was yeah. Bad. That's a Jewish name. I know, but listen. I just so realized I was, that right now. Yes, that's what they all think. They all call me a Jew. They but, all call me a Jewish but Illuminati. But you know, I like a Jew. But listen, well, I mean, you don't, you don't see my credit card bill. It's pretty Jewish. But what I'm trying to say is this is what I'm saying. Uh, 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 this is the problem. This is why I'm not Jewish. So my dad's dad... My grandfather, he never, he was only my dad's, he only got my grandmother pregnant and then left and started a family in New York. And he was a Jewish guy. So my dad was raised Christian. I was raised Christian. So, I'm, so because of that, we're kind of always been anti, not, I'm not anti-Jewish. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we didn't have the bar mitzvah. We didn't do any of the Jewish stuff because my dad didn't have a relationship with his dad. And, and you know, right. my grandmother was Christian. So I've just been raised Christian. I was baptized Christian. And I do believe Jesus existed. I do believe Jesus died for our sins. Absolutely. So, you know, and that they're going to say, oh, Alex, well, you're really Jewish. Well, this is, this is one thing I, I do want to say though. It's like, I think Christians even respect Jews. So it's, it's weird. I, it's just a very weird thing. What I'm trying to say is a lot of that self-projection, how like the left to say, oh, racism exists. There is anti-Semitism a little bit. And the reason why is because, oh, that oh you're some Jew, you're some Jew. It's weird. We live in a <laughs> weird world where there is a lot of hate, uh, you know, made up. Like they say, oh, last year, and, and, and I'm not even Jewish, but they see the last name Stein, they're like, 
oh, here comes this Jewish guy. They say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have fun? With you on this interview? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, yes. Come on. We got to do it again. Oh, please have me on again anytime. I, I, I'm honored. Hopefully one day I want to meet you in person. That, that, I would love to do that, Justin. That would be amazing. Have Nick to come in. I want you to meet someone real fast. And um, in the meantime, tell the folks how to get your stuff, follow you, do whatever you, whatever you want to put out there. Go ahead. Guys, it's Primetime 99 Alex Stein. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. If you can't find me, you ain't looking, all right? I'm, I'm everywhere. And if you want to guys support me, the best way to support me, just follow me. I don't need any money. I don't need, I mean, you know, money doesn't hurt. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, you know, if you watch my stuff, you share my stuff. That's that's all I ask for. I want you to meet someone real fast here, Nick, Please. my producer. When I told him you were coming on, he was excited about it. He want, uh, So I want him to meet you. And the next time you're in L.A., he used to be a chef. Come here for a minute. Nick, you, this is my producer, Nick. Nick! Hey, Alex. He's Yo. better known as the anchor baby. This is true. The anchor baby. Oh, so, so your parents had the baby here in America. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, I do believe that. See, that's another thing, though, Jesse. Some of these conservatives want to give away the birthrights. I think if you're born in America, even if your parents are illegal, you're an American. Yeah. You know, see what I'm saying? I actually do believe that. I mean, I, I know some people can argue that. If you were born in an American hospital, you're an American, in my opinion. That's, that's all right. I say. But what yeah. I want to tell yeah, you, too, yeah. what I want to tell you is that he was a chef, professional chef, before coming to work for me. And so whenever you're in L.A., I'm going to pay him to make you the best steak on this no, side of heaven. No, Jesse, I can't eat that cow, <laughs> that poor cow. You <laughs> but, hey, I'm going to be – I'm going on the Babylon Bee on, on uh, June 14th, so I'll be out there. I'm going to come bug you. I want to okay, come. I'm going to come meet you, yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Jesse. Uh, nice meeting you, Alex. Nice to meet you, Nick, and, and save the steak. Let Jesse eat it. Feed it to my dog. I'll take the steak. I'll bring it home and give it to my dog. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, man. It was amazing. And, uh, yeah, when you're in L.A., let us know. We'll see what we can do. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesse. I'll talk to you guys again. All Thanks, right, man. Nice well. to meet you. you Same too, to you, Jesse. Thank you again. I really appreciate you letting me come on. Thank you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to ring the bell. Don't forget to check us out on subscribestar.com by hitting the link there in the video description. And don't forget to support. Visit our merch store. Amazing stuff. Let me hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. So insane for the Ukraine. I don't care if you're white or brown. I'm in that plane old town. And you know, I just got found. I'm a pimp on a blimp. And I'm eating steak and shrimp. And you know I'm brown time. 99. And you know I'm always on the grind. And you know I do it all the time. One more time. I'm big prime time. 99. Now is the time. Now listen to this. On my mind, this is a VIP. Ukraine, and I go insane. Put a bullet in Putin. You look like a young, a young Tucker Carson. Well, okay, that's the last thing I'll say. Are you sure so he's not your father? Well, this is the bit. I didn't have enough time because, you know, those interviews are only five minutes. So he one of his first jobs in journalism, he spoke for he wrote for the Arkansas Gazette. So I was going to say this is not true, but I was going to say my mom was a college student at University of Arkansas 32 years ago <laughs> and that he was that he got my mom pregnant and that I went to D. I was going to be serious, but then he knew I was, you know, yeah. he knew I was joking. <laughs> Thank you, All buddy. Right. See you, Jesse. All bye. right. Take care.